We're going to look at our, our, our time of sermon today, which is found in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. It's the third book into the New Testament. Um, if you don't, I'll be reading the scriptures up. You don't have a projector or anything, that's okay. So as you're turning there to Luke chapter 1, looking at Elizabeth's story, I want to have you guys have a table discussion, okay? How would you define hope? I want you to discuss it amongst yourself. Think about things like, what's the difference between faith and hope? Right? Try to come up with a definition, and I'm going to have a couple of you share what you came up with. So you have about two or three minutes. Go. Define hope. All right, who has an answer? All right, shh, there we go. Okay, so somebody at a table, somebody volunteer who has an answer, who, who figured it out? Mark did. Okay, okay. Anybody else? That's good. Yes. Correct. That's good. Dread is almost the opposite, right? Like you're dreading the future. Yeah, no, it's good. That's good. That's right. That's right. That's good. Thank you, Joe. One one more over on this side of the room. Judy. Anticipation. That's great. I, I so um I wanna argue that there's there's a something in human nature that hope is innate. A little bit, right? Like if you're not for everybody perhaps or not you know but there's some degree where if you see something broken you see injustice you see something that needs to be fixed or you see somebody treated poorly or, or somebody is really just going through it and suffering there's this feeling of like that really shouldn't be and not only should it shouldn't be like i really hope that there is a time when that person won't be going through that and for even some of us to say well can i somehow help relieve that right I think there's, there's, there's that part of us that feels that. Have you ever wondered where that came from? I mean, you look in the, the, the world of nature, um, it's cruel. Animals are awful to each other, right? We all seen Animal Kingdom and just the lions ripping apart, whatever, and there's no grace or there's no forgiveness. There's no, you know, hope that this is brutal out there, right? So how come human beings are different? What are that come from it's almost like there's there's shadows of a leftover world where things once were whole things once were complete and that that world has been lost there's this kind of thing inside of us that says is there something better is there something better that, than what we have here i hope there is right and these are for people who may be religious or even not religious right that thing is is lingering there um this morning, we're going to be looking at a story of hope in Elizabeth. Last week, we looked at her husband's story, Zechariah. 
and um, when an angel showed up to him and what happened in his life. But we're going to see from the side of his wife, right, who um, she was a mother of John the Baptist. Uh, she, in her older age, probably around 60-ish, had became pregnant, and that was a, a miracle from God. Her baby was named John, right? And so we're going to look at her response. It's going to be a shorter sermon today, but I, I find her story... I never remember hearing a, a sermon on Elizabeth, right? She's always mentioned as she interacts with Mary and Zechariah. There's not a whole lot about her in Scripture, but she is a, a fascinating individual. I'm excited to look at this. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 23 is when her story kind of picks up. So Zechariah, you know, if you remember from last week, he was in the temple, and he sees this angel, and he gets told, you know, you're going to have a son, your prayer has been heard, he's going to pave the way for the Lord himself to come, and he was like, well, how can this be? And the angel said, um, he was like, can I, how do I know this is going to happen? He goes, I'll, I'll show you. you, now you can't talk, that's your sign, and until the day comes, right, he's mute, so it comes out making signs from the temple, and people realize, wow, this guy had a vision, right, something happened, what, what, what happened? And so he gets home. Okay, service was completed to be serving in the temple. He returns home. And then in verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months. She remained in seclusion. Put a pin there. For five months, she remained in seclusion. Verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So that word disgrace, it literally just means no grace. She was basically saying, I feel like I've had no grace in my life from God, but he's taken that away. Have any of you been in a place like that in your life that just feels extremely graceless from God? That there's a burden that you're just carrying that's weighing you down and you remember in this day and age, for a woman to be that age and barren, her survival was at stake. There was no social programs. We talked about this last week. Um, children were the, your very means of survival when you were advanced in age. And it was a scary time for them. And the Lord showed up in grace. And she said, the Lord has taken away my state of no grace and has given me grace. Guys, the gospel. God is always in the business of giving grace to those who are lacking. God is always in the business of giving grace to those who are lacking. Just there's this amazing verse in Lamentations, chapter 3, some wisdom that's provided in this book. This is what it says in verse 25 through 33. The Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him. There's that word hope, right? To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There yet may be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief on anyone. I'm going to hear those words I think of Elizabeth waiting and waiting and wondering, is this my future? Is this really it? 
And we knew that Zechariah was more than likely, if not in the temple, very recently praying once again that millionth prayer that had been unanswered for decades for a son. And her hope proved to be true, right? Now God's timing, as we all know, is never usually, scarcely, the timing that we would choose if we had authority, right? Um, as if we, we think that we can dictate God's timing for his work as if we know better, right? But this is always the struggle. So when we pray for things and nothing happens and our situation is still harsh, we immediately want to think, well, God must be harsh. Like, what is going on, right? But we have verses that cling to, verses of hope. We have the very Advent story that says he did show up. And, you know, in Israel's history, they were already just beneath the heavy hand of Rome. They had centuries of these prophecies saying one day God's going to come. He's going to bring uh, salvation to his people. I mean, centuries went by. And still nothing. And still nothing. And still nothing. And still nothing until he did show up. Until he did come through. And his son was born. Now, Lamentations, is the wisdom there says, it actually says that when there is no hope, it even says just be patient, right? If you, if you feel you're in a state of disgrace, just stay there for a minute. Just be patient and wait because he says, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. Do you guys truly believe that? I mean, I get it. Like, there's a lot of, I've known a lot of people in this room and some that aren't able to be here, are really going through it this Christmas season. I mean, in extraordinary ways that are just crushing. But those verses are there. Do you, do you really believe that this Christmas? That he will show compassion on you? Are you going to be patient enough to wait for his compassion to come to you and allow this period of the wilderness to be that period of renewal in your own life? This was Elizabeth. This was her story, right? The coming of Christ shows that while the world was in darkness, indeed, there was a great light. While people hoped in that darkness, a light did break through, and a child was born, and grace was brought into this world. According to Scripture, when we talk about grace, grace marks all of our lives. I'm going to walk through a couple of, of things here, but before I do that, I'd like you guys to have one more table time. Define grace. I want you guys to define the word grace. A couple of minutes. Discuss it. Put, put a definition to grace. All right. Who has a definition for us? All right. Shh. We got Claudia Sandup over here. Shh. Rick. good. Unmerited favor. Oh yeah, there we go. That's good. Anybody else? Un he gives us grace when we don't deserve it. That's good. Awesome. Jeff? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's good. That's, that's super handy. That's really nice. Yes?
good. Yes. We're going to talk about that a little bit. That's really good. Grace is a joining together at the table. There's a grace available when we're together. That's really good. One more definition. Anybody over here? Anybody? Alex. really good. Isn't she great? I married that lady. Isn't she great? She said yes. Somehow I still sometimes. That's awesome. I'm going to look at four ways that scripture tells us about grace. Four ways. Did you know that your very breath is a gift from God? When the ancients thought about life, like the things that gives us life, It often talks about that God, you know, when he created Adam, it said he breathed into his nostrils. Take, a, take a, a breath through your nostrils if you're not stuffy this morning, right? You feel that air that comes through? The ancients, they looked at that and said, that's your, that's your life, that's your spirit, right? And listen to what Job said, the spirit of God made me and the breath, the word for breath and spirit is the same in the Old Testament. And that breath, that spirit of God gives me presently, gives me life. He's sustaining your breath. Who of you is causing your heart to beat right now? Who of you is, is, is causing your, your body to, and all the various hundreds of, of parts and everything within you that's causing it to happen? Right? Like, are you making that happen right now? God is sustaining you. God is actively sustaining you. Scientists, there's been different stories of scientists trying to create the goo that they believe life came from, and sometimes they can create the goo, but they can't kind of make it just come alive, you know? They can't make it come alive. What makes something come alive? It's the very breath of God that makes things come alive, and that's a gift. That's grace to us. Number two, if you're a Christian this morning, we can never talk about this enough. The moment you became a Christian, great grace was given to you through the forgiveness of your sins by the death of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 5 says you were actually dead in your sins, but you were made alive by the grace that we have been saved from. And we'll talk about the faith that comes after that, right? Um, in part three here, you were not only given the grace of his salvation, but the grace of his presence. I want you to, to consider this. These are things that I think as Christians, we don't just talk about enough, right? Romans 5 <clears throat> speaks like this says this, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's no longer, he's not against us because of our sin. Now we have peace with him because of Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which now we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I want you to listen to this. We can stand before God now because when God sees us, for those who have faith in Jesus. He didn't see your sin, your shame, the places you feel he may be disgraced in life. He doesn't see that. You know what he sees when he sees you? He sees the cross. He says that old person who you were is gone. Any kind of weight or burden of sin, any kind of filth you felt, that's, that's gone. I see the cross when I see you, the cross of my son. I see him hanging there paying for your sins. I also see an empty tomb when I see you. I see the resurrected, my, my resurrected son who has given you new life. 
that you are no longer that person, but now you are a new creation in Christ. And that is a gift to you that is done in grace. That's when, when God sees you, that's what he sees. And because of the work of Jesus, not because of yours, because of what he has done for you, you can literally stand in the presence of God. And even when he exercises prayer, like you're going before the God of the universe, and we can do this boldly knowing he's not going to reject us. He is not going to push us away and say, you, what are you doing here? Like you can't talk to me. He's never going to say that to us because the cross of Christ has paid for everything. And we can now stand in the presence of God. And Paul says that's a grace that he is with us right now. The presence of God is a grace in our life. And lastly, the grace of his presence brings the grace of his kingdom power. Let's not forget that Elizabeth was pregnant not by natural means, right? She should not have gotten pregnant, but she did. Her barrenness was reversed. And that was done by none other than the power and the miraculous power of God. And Hebrews 6 has something really interesting to say. Um, something really fascinating. Verse 5 in Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about us having the opportunity to, to taste the heavenly gift. And uh, like almost tasting, you know, getting a, a bite out of the most delicious meal ever. Um, it talks about being, being able to share in God's Holy Spirit. That we can taste the goodness of the Word of God. And also share in the powers of the age to come. The powers of the age to come. What are the powers of the age to come? Maybe you've read that verse or you've heard that phrase. Like, what, is, what does the book of Hebrews mean that says we can, we can taste of the powers of the age to come? Well, the age to come is the second advent of Jesus. We're celebrating his first. The age to come is the second advent of Jesus when he returns to make all things new. No more death. No more crying. No more sickness or suffering. No more pain. All the swords will be turned into plowshares. Justice will reign. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. Wholeness. Shalom. Heaven literally coming to earth. The fancy word for that is our eschatological hope that is end times hope when God will actually return and make all things right the hope that we feel the hope that drove Elizabeth to keep praying and drove Zechariah to keep praying the hope that we're looking for will be fulfilled on that day and all things that are broken even the things like in our stories those stories will be forever gone and will never happen again because all things will be made new and by God's grace Elizabeth tasted the powers of that future age presently. It was like an overlap. It's like that age that is coming suddenly just found this little story of this, of this woman in overlap. It showed up in her life through God's miraculous intervention. The whole idea of Advent is that heaven itself, the kingdom of God today, that future age, it's actually breaking in the world right now. Not fully, not perfectly, but it's showing up. Little bit by little bit, and even available in our lives. God's power is here now. When he breaks into the present moment and people are restored, people are healed, people are delivered from addiction, people are delivered from sin, this is the powers of the age to come that it shows up in our lives today. John fourteen twelve. Jesus said, you know, I, I did a lot of wonderful things, guys, but when I'm out of here, you're going to be able to do even more amazing things, even greater than I did. Because that future age is going to be overlapping in the church today. And he is able to show up in our lives. 
and bring great reversal and bring great power in our lives and fulfill the hope that we have. But how do we know when this happens, right? Maybe some of you have stories when that happens in your life, right? But there's something, well, I want to see what happens to Elizabeth and see her orientation in life because this is so, like I said, I'm really fascinated by her. Um, This miraculous grace of God, the power of this pregnancy, it shows up in her life. And what does she do? You guys remember what she did? Did she go out and start like taking selfies on Instagram and be like, yo, I'm pregnant from God. This is amazing. What does she do? She what? Seclusion. She didn't tell anybody. Like, could you fathom today, like this happening to you and not posting about it on your social media? Like, we can't even eat, like, or, you know, do the dishes. Be like, yo, I did the dishes. Clean up the clean dishes. Like, we can't do anything without putting it on our social media. And this woman literally just received a miracle from God. And she's like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to stay in my house in seclusion for five months. There's a humility. Luke doesn't tell us why, right? It just says that she remained five months in seclusion. But all I can see from that is a humility that is stirring in Elizabeth that says, wow, none of this is really about me, is it? God has a work around me, and he, I'm a part of this story, but it's not actually about me, is it? We're going to continue to see, right, what happens. Um, I believe truly when, when we have an encounter with God, when we experience Him in our lives today, and we receive that incredible grace of just experience Him in our lives, you have a moment of the grandeur of the glory of God. You, you see just how incredible and how glorious and how wonderful and kind and gracious he really is. And now you have nothing apart from him. There's a psalm in verse 8 when, when David was, was reflecting on this, on God and just the glory of who he is. He said, who am I that you have a thought about me? Who am I that the God of all things thinks of me? What is man? What are people that you are mindful of? of us. Who are we in comparison to this great God of the universe? Like imagine if you're like an amateur actor out of high school and you run into Tom Hanks. More than likely you're not going to be suddenly just be like, yeah, like I'm awesome in his presence, right? You're probably going to be like, there's a greatness in the presence of Tom Hanks um, and I'll probably want to pay more attention to him when we talk about acting, especially than boast about something that I know if I'm like, you know, a 12th grade senior high actor or something, right? If that's the case, how much more will we encounter the God of all things that says, wow, this is not really about me, is it? This is about him. And that's one of the biggest markers of when he shows up in our life, that our orientation begins orbiting around him and his glory. Elizabeth's humility is a real humility, not a false humility, right? It's a humility that causes you to truly start forgetting about, about yourself and just glorying in God. And when you start glorying in God and forget about yourself, the scripture says you actually, as Jesus said, you find yourself. When you lose your life in God, you actually end up finding your life. And the fingerprints of such work in our lives does have that result of humility, like Elizabeth. She chose to be um, a quietly, miraculously pregnant, right? Rather than tout it before the community. And we hear humility continues. Mary, the mother of Christ, we'll look at her story next week. She hears about Elizabeth her relative, from Gabriel, the angel, because Elizabeth didn't even tell her own family, right? Mary learned it from even just the angel, as we'll see next week. 
and her miraculous pregnancy, right? And so Mary runs up to be with Elizabeth. She says, wow, I, I'm, I'm not alone. Like, God is doing something in her. I'm going to go see her. This is her relative. And so she runs up and starts and wants to hang out with Elizabeth. Now, put your place, put yourself in Elizabeth's place, okay? Um, she's been in a seclusion, other than some neighbors or family. No one has really heard of this or seen of this. Why don't you put yourself in Mary's place? I'm sorry. And so when Mary shows up, okay, um, to Elizabeth's home, you would think it's like she's like just waiting just to like, I, I gotta tell you what happened in my life. Like, you think it's just like just waiting to burst upon her lips, right? Let's see what happens though when Mary shows up and see just how much Elizabeth actually talks about herself. I love this, right? In verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country, Judea, when she, uh, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. I've never been pregnant, but for you ladies who have experienced that, my wife used to talk about the baby just, when it just goes, like, just starts going crazy. She's like, whoa, I used to be able to see the belly moving, you know, like that, that's happening, like the nth degree to Elizabeth. As soon as Mary's voice is audible, her baby's like, and freaking out, right? Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt, and it says now, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, so what comes next are words Luke wants us to see, that what she says is from the Spirit of God, it's a type of kind of like a prophetic word here, a prophecy coming from here. This is a moment of spirit empowerment. And let's see the orientation of her words when she's full of the spirit and how she speaks to Mary. Verse 42, in a loud voice, she's not whispering. She like yells. She's like, blessed are you among women. Blessed is that child that you're bearing, right? But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? A couple of things. You remember now, Elizabeth is much older than Mary. She's a son of Aaron. Her pedigree, if you want to say it that way, is extremely high. It's like two important families in Israel. She's a direct descendant of, you know, that family. Like, she has some pedigree. She's older. If you were older in that age and a younger relative came up, you had a status of respect that you would receive blessings. You would be served by your younger relative right? Especially she's the daughter of Aaron, right? The high priest. Like, if one of you were a descendant of JFK in this room, we would probably all know, right? Because we, we know there's some of that pedigree stuff is still, you know, here or, yeah. So, but none of that happens, right? What happens is what happens often in our life when Jesus shows up. He starts flipping stuff upside down in our life, he takes cultural values that um, are normative out there, and he just reverses them and flips them upside down. And as people's lives start orbiting around the life of Jesus Christ, his kingdom of values surface, and Jesus is at the center. And one more time, right? What did Elizabeth do? She blessed Mary. Blessed are you among women. She's focusing on her motherhood, right? Because Mary is blessed because of that baby that is inside of her. Blessed is the child that she will bear but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Right? She's solely focused on Jesus, the, the baby that is inside of there. There's a couple of things to, to see here, right? It's kind of the Psalm 8 language. She goes, why me? Like, why would you come to me? I know what's in your, 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 your belly here, like in your womb. Like, why would you, of all people, why would you come to see me? It's like, well, Elizabeth, you also, your son was named by God, and Gabriel showed up to your husband, and I mean, you're not just nobody, apparently, but look at her mentality. Who am I that you would be here? Like, I'm nothing. Why are you here with me? 
What great humility we see. This is from the Spirit of God, as she is empowered from him, right? She says, I'm just a nobody, right? And did you catch also, who is Elizabeth's Lord? Jesus. Where is Jesus? What is his state right now? <laughs> He's in the most helpless state that a human being can be in, in the womb. And she says, my Lord. She is submitting. She's already submitting herself to her Lord, who's not even born yet. Right? This is a spirit-filled response from Elizabeth. She sees the, the focus. She says, it's, it's not about me. She's not even thinking about herself at all, right? The only thought she has is, why me? Why are you here to see me, right? This is amazing. Look, you're, you're carrying the Messiah. You're carrying the, the Christ. Verse 44, it says, as soon as the sound, she's speaking now, right? She says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, she's talking to Mary, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her would be accomplished. In the spirit, Elizabeth rejoices in God's work in Mary's life, in Mary's obedience to God. She's rejoicing in that, right? And she recognizes that the son in this woman's womb is a little bit greater than the son in her own. And there is no envy. There's no like, well, you know, God showed up to my husband too, and the angel did, and, you know, he's named too. Like, come on, Mary. Like, there's nothing like that, right? Elizabeth knows that's the Christ. My son's here to pave the way for him, so I'm just going to make sure that I'm also paving the way to say this is the Christ. This is my Lord that is coming. And blessed are you. It blesses your obedience. She's, she's giving Mary blessing, right? So in the spirit, she forgets about herself and she seeks to give a blessing to somebody else. And this is what happens when we meet Jesus, when our lives are transformed by him. It becomes about God and becomes oriented towards other people. And as we close this morning, this Christmas season, I think there's a, there's a dual challenge here for us as we close. Number one, let's go back to the beginning. Are you in need of hope this morning? Don't give up. I'm, I'm here to tell you, we take the scriptures as authority in our lives, as the words of God, they matter. And when he says, be patient, I will have compassion on you. Be patient. He will have compassion. Jesus did come. Jesus will come. Don't lose hope, friends. If there's anything that happens this Christmas season, I pray that the Spirit of God would just fill your heart to remove any despair that may be present in your life this morning and to restore the hope, to give you eyes to see the cross and the resurrection and give you just a, a heart that is wide enough and soft enough to be aware of just His presence that is just anxious to fill you, to know that He has not abandoned you. Do not lose hope this morning. I know some of your situations may just really feel hopeless. It's not. Don't lose hope this morning. Number two, this Christmas season, as we saw Elizabeth was, was just blessing Mary just right and left. Be generous. Be a blessing to other people this Christmas season. Like, be a blessing, right, to your neighbors, to those around you, to that one family member that you just have to see Christmas. You're like, no shot that I even want to talk to them because they're just awful and they're not a blessing in my life. Well, guess what? Be a blessing in their life. Shine with the light of the gospel, right? That says this isn't about you and your offense, right? It's about showing the love of God to them just as much as he has shown it to you and revealed it to you. Be a blessing this Christmas season, 
right? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Be generous. Serve others. Pray for the creativity to do so, right? And as you do so, pray for the power of God, the overlapping kingdom power to show up in the lives of those you serve so they can see the love of God through you. And allow yourself to be controlled by the Spirit to be a blessing.